It's the Odd Drunk Podcast, a very strange podcast, the drunkest show in the world. It's Jackson and Colton talking out of their ass. We don't care as long as drinks are poor. Sometimes we have our friends here. We will talk about anything. Anything. We don't care as long as we have beer. And if you let that whiskey ring. The Odd Drunk Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Odd Drunk Podcast with your host, Jaximus and Coltonius. Maximus. Coltonius. Coltonius. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tonight we are going to be talking about ancient Rome and how um, Colton is a history major and wanted to talk about ancient Rome. Yeah, we've we've been doing episodes where we generally talk about a, a time period or theme. Um, well, like the, Vikings the and pirates. One, the ones, yeah, we did pirates and Vikings because that's just like the cool ones. We yeah. still got to do ninjas at some point. But um, I remember you mentioning ancient Rome as far as back as the pirates episode. I yeah, because I like talking about you've been, Rome. You've always can, wanted. We can... and, uh, <laughs> guys, before you get bored, uh, we there's a lot of interesting, weird things that the Romans did. Um, <laughs> so this should to put it lightly. should be a fun one. Yeah, to put it lightly, the Romans um, were fucking weird, very weird. Just a common citizen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they were pretty cool Not in even... a lot of ways too, but. They were also very weird. And they, you know, they plagiarized a lot from the Greeks. <laughs> well, we'll get into that because uh, um, I think the way that people portray the Romans just stole everything. No, they're so vastly it's, different than the Greeks. Is not culturally. It's it's, but, um, it's a misunderstanding of what they were. Of what it's were more in their art and architecture. Well, I, I mean, I mean, it's also a it's also a vast misunderstanding of what Romans were actually doing. Like they didn't. They weren't stealing stuff. They were borrowing ideas, no. ideas, and Romanizing those ideas. So, well, they. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure an architectural Rome, uh, like an architect, you know, much like or a architectural <laughs> historian, could probably look at a Roman column and a Greek column and much like um, easily tell the the, the modern day Rome, the U.S. We take things and then we Americanize it. The Romans Romanized it. Um, you, you know, I before we recorded this, I, I for a second, I, I, I it, it took I me honestly, a second to realize that you were comparing the USA to Rome. I thought you were talking yeah. about the city of Rome in Georgia. <laughs> yes, say Rome, Georgia, Rome in Georgia, the modern day. Even though there's, you know, Rome, Italy, <laughs> where. I, you know, I was, the, was the a, capital, a smart uh, ass in uh, history courses in school when someone would talk yeah. about the, the uh, uh, Rome falling. And I'm like, Rome never fell. It's still there. People live there. You can go there. You mean the Roman Empire? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but uh, you want to hear since we played around with chat GPT last time. I, I, um, and yeah, I failed to kind of advertise for that because I didn't know what to do, but go listen to that episode. 
But I'm going to ask it to tell me a joke about ancient Rome. <laughs> Let's see what it gives us. I've got a I've got a Rome a Roman joke, but it's um it's visual. Sure, here's you have, you, you have to be able to see my hands. Well, we're not yet a visual podcast. So it'd be kind um, of stupid to maybe one day here. when we when we update our uh, webcams, you know. Um, sure, here's a joke about ancient Rome. Why did the Roman Empire collapse? Because it was all roads and no traffic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was really bad. That's that's stupid. <laughs> I, I I don't even really understand. Uh, oh wait, 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 come on, give me a better one. Give me a better one. Uh, oh, this one. Oh God, this one might be worse. <laughs> Why did the Roman Empire decline and fall? Because they were roaming around too much. <laughs> the AI is just the king of uh, dad I, jokes. I really I like the AI generated jokes. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, um, I, I, I mean, you're there. There's been we have examples of jokes from ancient Rome. They, they had jokes too. Well, the one in Life and Brian was pretty good. Where uh, John Cleese corrected what's his name? The guy that plays Brian. Uh, Graham on like Chapman. the spelling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Chapman. Yeah, his Latin grammar. Yeah, his Latin grammar. I wrote uh, like it was. <laughs> I took an an ancient Rome history course at Fort Lewis that um, we had our main term biggest like, dickus uh, paper that we did like project um. And I chose completely chose my topic around um, how can I fit in a Life of Brian reference. Um, so I right. did it. Did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I um, the paper I I, I titled it. Uh, see if I can uh, find. I don't remember how to say it. Um, Ooh, I have a question for you. While you're getting that title, what do you think is a more accurate depiction of Rome, of ancient Rome, the life of Brian, or Gladiator? Life of Brian. That's what I figured. It's an easy. That's an easy one. Gladiator <laughs> is really bad. I love no, that movie, Monty Python. It's, it's really bad. What's always been great about Monty Python, like in a Life of Brian, uh, the Quest for the Holy Grail. Yeah, they're being silly and absurd, but the setting, the costuming, the way people act is oh yeah, um, usually uh, pretty accurate. I mean, there's a few examples. I mean, I I did a bunch of uh, I did a whole project on um, uh, rebels sex in um, first century Roman occupied Judea, which is when um, Life of Brian takes place, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, specifically, I was looking at uh, the first Jewish Roman War, which is what was in uh, 68, 69 BC, which called which it's it's this whole event. It's where the uh, Vespasian and Titus um, uh, led an uh, army and they they led, laid siege to Jerusalem in 70 
uh, AD and uh, destroyed the second temple. Um, well, that was mm-hmm. Titus. Vespasian at that point in the war had gone back to Rome to commit a military coup and become emperor and start the Flavian dynasty. But um, in, in, you know, but it's, it's interesting because the way they portray that era in life of Brian is really great because there's stuff like, uh, you know, how they, the, there's the people's front of Judea and the, the Judean people's front and they <laughs> yeah. keep confusing each other because they just hate each other. And they're just like, Oh, <laughs> I, and I, I, I don't hate anyone more than the Romans. Well, what about the Judean people's front? Oh, I hate the Judean people's <laughs> front. Yeah, fuck the Judeans people front. Wait, no, we're, aren't we the Judeans people front? Um, no. <laughs> what what happened to the people's uh, front of uh, Judea? What happened to the populist Judean front? He's over there. Uh, yeah. He's just one lone guy <laughs> sitting in the stands. Um, <laughs> and that's like yeah, that's good how stuff. it was because the, like the first Jewish-Roman war, um, I think in my conclusion from reading about it is that it wasn't like this big war, like, cause that makes it sound like it was um, very organized when it's really more accurate to describe it as a populist re- uh, re- revolution with a bunch of different groups. Yeah. Um, so like there's details like that in life of Brian. Um, there's also little jokes that like you don't catch. Like, so when they capture Brian, and they bring him to Caesar, and they and he does the whole throw him on the floor thing, and uh, yeah, they, and they throw him on the floor, and he goes, oh, "Wait, wait, wait! I'm a Roman." And they stop, and they go, "Oh, you're a Roman. Um, uh, who is your father?" And that's kind of uh, shows an understanding on the writer's part of um, in Roman society, being a Roman citizen was very very important and i don't mean just like because you had rights but i mean it was socially important they really really cared about their identity as romans yes so so when i took that ancient rome course with dr martin he he pointed out he's like what is the most important phrase in latin that if you were to travel back to ancient rome like time travel and you were there what is the most important thing in latin you would uh want to know how to say and that's romanus sum which means i am roman because mm. little things like if you were a roman citizen so i mean the roman empire had a bunch of provinces but not all of them were incorporated in the way that like the main all right colton i'm gonna stop you there yeah. sorry because you're already going on a <laughs> historical um which is good because that's the point of this. Yeah. But before we continue, we we have to get something out of the way. Um, what are we drinking? We're drinking civilized drinks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we're drinking wine. I mean, you, yeah, we're both drinking some red wine. Um, mine. It's a Portuguese wine. Called Silken Spice 2021 Red Blend. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't spend a lot of money on this. I just wanted some wine. Um, it's a decent one. I've metaphor I've, of silken. Yeah. Oh, you've had this one? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. And we all know that Portugal was once part of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that counts. <laughs> they were um, also colonizers, which I think is what the title of that um, wine is referring to. 
Yeah, so it says the <laughs> metaphor of silken spice applies to the flavors of this red blend, smooth and juicy with a slight vanilla note. Um, it possesses flavors that can only be found in the indigenous grapes of Portugal. Portuguese explorers discovered the silken spice routes to the Far East in the 1500s. Prized for their enhancing flavors, nutmeg, cinnamon, and pepper changed the world cuisine. Yeah, that's true. Uh, mm. While silk from China became prized for its luxurious touch and softness. Nice. Was that just a on, uh, is that a red blend or a just a red blend? And it has nice. um, a map of essentially Indonesia, Malaysia, part of India, yeah. or China. Colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> a whole nother historical topic, which is not as fun to talk about as ancient No, 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 no. It's, yeah, uh, but what do you got there? I went a similar route I to I mean, you. I know you have wine. I went over to the Iberian Peninsula as well. I got a Spanish wine. It's called Los Dos. Um, it's cheap. And it's a, a garnacha. Mm, a garnacha. Um, I don't know if I've ever had one. Yeah. So it's a common type of wine in Spain. It's a red wine. It's 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 fine. It's good. It's but it's it's cheap. It's like a ten dollar bottle. <laughs> oh nice. Yeah. Um, not not there's not much and- to say about it really. <laughs> We're, since we're talking about ancient Rome, I got some pizza here, some American <laughs> nice uh, Domino Domino's Mick um, Maximus uh, pizza. Yeah. In preparation for uh, this episode, I um, instead of doing a bunch of historical research, I was playing some Super Mario Brothers earlier. <laughs> I know. thought you were gonna say at least like oh, playing Skyrim and like with the Imperials because they're like Rome. No, uh, I no, mean, they are, but Mario, no, Mario. <laughs> Anyways, you know, let's get into some stuff. So, uh, you're obviously the lead of this episode. You're the history major. You know your stuff about Rome, but I've got some list here of just some fun facts. And to start us off, and you can correct this. You can. Argue yeah, me. I, this is from the collector.com. And, and please stop me if I um uh if I uh start <laughs> ranting because so no, I want I want the rants. I think the listeners are gonna have fun with that. Um so the age of Rome and unknown. The collector.com yeah. nice. I almost wrote for them. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I backed out because they pay 50 bucks an article, which is garbage. Well, you could have wrote this article, it's a really <laughs> easy article. Um just make a list. Yeah. Just look up the facts on Wikipedia and make a list. No, no, but actually, the um, standards that they that they give you they give you a list of things you have to do in their articles, and they're like, and it's no, it's, I'm sure it's not fifty bucks is like well, garbage pay. I'm just undercutting them. Yeah, just let me. <laughs> okay, anyways, um, so number one, ancient Rome borrowed many drinking habits. From the Greeks. Who would have thunk? Yeah. Ancient Roman approach to alcohol was influenced by Greek culture, the largely uh, permeated via Greek cities in southern Italy. Roman drinking behaviors were in many respects similar to Greek, although they had some differences. Originating from the Greek uh, symposium, 
Elite Romans gathered on couches to drink in private houses and bank- banquet rooms. Wine was the drink of choice at the very heart of ancient Rome's culture. Ciders mm-hmm. and other fermented drinks were known, but were all second to wine. And beer? Yep. We talked about an Viking one. Barbaric. Even yeah. though, <laughs> go listen to our Viking episode because you know modern stereotypes tell you oh the vikings were extremely barbaric and the romans were these civilized pontius no the romans were also extremely barbaric i mean most people know about the gladiator combat and all that but it goes way further than that and we'll get into it there's things that they do that are that they did were that were kind of admirable as well though well, yeah, they yeah. gave us, but the they gave us, uh, but the Roman, the Roman culture as we know as it, like barbaric, because I was like, with the, um, the the Gauls would drink, they drank beer. Yeah, yeah, they gave us concrete. They yeah. gave us uh, great architecture, um, plumbing. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, the Egyptians had it too. I so think. they said that but, they, um, they brought from like the Greek colonies in Italy. They got their drinking habits from, but uh. And so, yeah, it says beer, fermented grains, and milk were decidedly un-Roman. So every time you drink milk a beer, I yeah, I guess milk one. was un-Roman. And it could carry barbarous connotations. Um, Roman's drinking culture evolved over the centuries. Um, drinking was part of this. The small holder of Rome's archaic period did not have the access, means, or cultural inclination to drink like a Roman of the Republican or imperial periods. As ancient Rome evolved, it grew in wealth and sophistication and gained access to prestige goods like wine and slaves. Yay! Uh, wine and slaves. It also experienced cultural exposure to the exotic drinking habits of the Hellenic East. Um, right. And uh, number two, in ancient Rome, exposure to wine expanded greatly from the second century BCE. We have learned that there were many varieties of wine in ancient Rome. In the second century BC, Cato the Elder wrote De Agricultura. I assume you know about that. Mm-hmm. I'm probably mispronouncing it. I've not read it. Um, instructing elite landowners on how to establish their estates. Several wine varieties are mentioned, and the focus on uh, viticulture shows the impact that wine had on the Romans. I also, this isn't in this article, but I read somewhere that Roman wine and like its varieties isn't dissimilar to the wine we drink today. Oh, yeah. No, that's, um, it's, I mean, yeah, we have more today, more varieties, but really, there's like there's most a lot of, of the different... most common wines. Mm-hmm. The Romans were essentially drinking the same kind of wine we're drinking. Well, yeah. I mean, there's the essentially because. I mean, I, geez, I'm not even remotely close to being someone who knows stuff about wine, but, um, um, my understanding you like is it. <laughs> I do like it, but I don't know anything about it really. My understanding, I'm trying to learn cause I sell it for a living, but, uh, <laughs> so it helps to know about it. Um, a lot of the, what makes different types of wines unique is the type of grape. Mm-hmm. So in theory, if the Romans had similar types of grapes, they made similar types of wines. Yeah. Um, 
basically the rest of this list just goes on to talk about wine and how much the Romans liked wine. So it's not that interesting. <laughs> they loved wine. Yeah. Every um fucking uh number in this list is like yeah did you know the romans like wine here's another thing particular about wine that they like also colton since we're drinking and you know consuming liquid and consuming well i'm consuming food as well make sure you hold your pee so you can save it for laundry day oh yes (laughs) (laughs) because in ancient rome they would use urine to clean their clothes. Clean. Kind of. Clothes. Kind of. <laughs> they they figured out how to process urine into ammonia. That's what they did. Mm. They didn't just use straight. Straight pee. urine. They didn't just like pee on their clothes. <laughs> like, I mean, hey, yeah, imagine if you're it. in ancient Rome, you're wearing your toga, right? And you're and you can't hold it. It'd be culturally acceptable to just pee your pants. Pee your toga, and people would be like, oh, "Hey, people you're are just peeing cleaning. their pants everywhere." Uh, you're just cleaning. Your <laughs> no, but um, but but no, they 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 knew how to um process urine into ammonia, and what they would do in big cities is you would you know you have your chamber pot right, and mm-hmm. if you you could uh have one specifically for urine, and then you could take it to like the i don't know what they would call it or where specific would be but there would be you could take it somewhere where they would take it off your hands and then process it um right imagine having that no i i i forget what it was called but like they basically had these stations these facilities where people just go piss and then they would Mm -hmm. manufacture it or do whatever they got to do to make it an ammonia um where did all my stuff go while i'm looking for my stuff um what's something in particular you really wanted to talk about when it comes to rome ancient rome yeah i mean i i wanted to i think a a really i mean i could rant on and on about like really stupid things with rome but i want to i think it'd be really cool to touch on um (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong no you know this the Romans were obsessed with the phallus. Would often carry it oh, yeah. as a lucky charm, or you would put it on your above your door, uh-huh. you know, decoration. Yeah, Romans loved it. Um, I was reading somewhere just, they recently discovered they like, the everywhere. largest <laughs> Roman dick uh, phallus. Um, they would do stuff like stone. If you lived in the if you lived in a city like Rome and you were wealthy enough to own property, but you didn't have a wall like you weren't that wealthy wealthy enough to build a wall around your property you could you would mark they would sometimes mark the corners of their property with statues of dicks <laughs> so that everyone knows that this is your property um, right yeah this yeah the romans were all about that they they well the romans that. were very and correct me if I'm wrong, but from everything I know and everything I've read recently, a very, you know, paternalistic society. Yeah. It's all about the man and the lightly. father. And yeah. It's, um, I even read, now, especially correct me if I'm wrong on this, 
I, I watched a YouTube video. Well, I listened to a YouTube video earlier. This guy was talking about like the worst things the Romans did. And that when a child was born, they'd be placed basically at the feet of their father. And if the father didn't like the child, they're just mm-hmm. throw it out. Um, no. No, they didn't do that. I don't know where this guy um, got it. Maybe it was like an exaggeration. So, so here, here's an important you know? thing to, to point about Rome is um, um, if you hear stories about any type of human sacrifice or anything, I heard like, like that, abandoned children was a big thing though. Oh, well in ancient Not human sacrifice. Yeah. In ancient Greece, even though the gladiator thing, and Rome took a lot from ancient Greece um, in certain city States, um, leaving b- babies out to exposure was a thing like in sparta yeah they would do that they didn't throw babies off of of that mountain or whatever it's called mount um tell you again like in 300 yeah they they didn't do that um but they would leave babies out for exposure romans i mean it's not that maybe would have never happened but like um if you were if you were a father in ancient rome and you had a kid you would raise the kid, um, and if the kid was and so there, there's the Romans had a thing called the Twelve Tables, which is uh, basically their their law, and it was both it was in the Twelve Tables. There's um, if I remember correctly, there's a thing. I think it was in Twelve Tables. I could be mistaken. Um, there's a thing about how um, a father can give away their child three times before the child is free from their father. Okay. And what that would be basically is like um in practice what that mean meant is so like fucked. you you would as a as a father you would give your kid to someone to like work for them. Or you could. You could do that. You could you could Hard give them to, him to someone um well not slavery like an apprenticeship but but okay. it didn't have to be as glorious as an apprenticeship. It could be like uh, you need someone to basically clean your fucking trains. And um, I've got a kid yeah. who's useless. So um, I'm giving them to you. Um, but then the employer, the person that was the, the kid would then be working for um, if they were like your kid's a piece of shit and is useless. I'm going to give them back to you <laughs> and uh the father if and you could do it and if there was a thing like in roman law where y- you could do it like a certain i want to say it was like three times um and the uh and if after the third time if they still given back then then the you could just give up on the kid <laughs> oh jeez, and just be like you're useless you're you know, not my kid anymore. I, you, you're free. Go do whatever the fuck you want. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I don't. My understanding is that like leaving babies out for exposure was not like that common of a practice. Um, the Romans didn't really approve of that type of stuff. Um, human sacrifice they thought was completely barbaric. Well, it depends how you define that, I guess, because while gladiator matches aren't a sacrifice, 
It was well. Here's here's another thing. It wasn't as common. Men are as, still dying. Not nearly as common as you would think for gladiators to die in to die in the ring. That's, really? Uh, I mean, here's the thing about gladiators is that we really don't know much about them. Well, like the animals like, and the lions and shit, you know, they would sin out on each other and. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The, so the, the thing that was glad, problematic. Gladiators is we really just didn't know a whole lot about them. Um, you take a movie like the movie Gladiator. It's a really terrible depiction of ancient Rome, but their depiction of gladiators is you can argue it's chariots and everything. Well, yeah, well, Russell Crowe. You can argue that it's okay their depiction because we know so little about gladiators. There's a that, lot of free range to. Yeah, um, you can take a lot of a artistic interpretation. You know. Yeah. Um, well, um, since you since we're yeah. on gladiators. Uh, this list is from what the fuck? Uh, listverse.com. <laughs> Top 10 truly disgusting facts about uh, the ancient Romans. And I'll, I'll, maybe I'll mention the other ones, but since we're on gladiators and uh, we'll hear your input. Uh, number seven, gladiator blood was used as medicine. Roman medicine had his fair share of eccentricities. Uh, several Roman authors report people gathering the blood of dead gladiators and selling it as medicine. Romans apparently believed that the gladiator blood had the power to cure uh, epilepsy and would drink it as a cure. And that was just a civilized approach. Others would pull out the gladiator's livers and eat them raw. This was so popular that when Rome banned gladiatorial combat, people kept the treatment... Uh, going by drinking the blood of decapitated prisoners. <laughs> Strangely, some Roman physicians actually report that this treatment worked. They claim to have seen people who drank human blood recover from their epileptic fits. I've never heard that before. So I can't really say. Maybe it. you just weren't taught it at your institution. Um, well, yeah, I, I know. But I, I was going to say, I, I, I actually just don't know about that. Um, but yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. Sounds because like something they would do. One thing we do know about gladiators is that they were like celebrities. People fucking Well, and here's another gladiator. Them. Oh, definitely. They were yeah. celebrities. So they so were, the idea I mean, that, that that was their football, their, that was their hockey, you know. Yeah. So the idea that they're that, that the the fervor around gladiators would lead to a belief like, oh, we should be drinking their blood for medicine. Um whether it's because people actually believe that or if that was just snake, uh, you know, snake oil salesman type of situation. Right. Um, it, well, it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't shock me, really. Here's another thing. Uh, number six, a woman would uh, rub dead skin cells of gladiators on their faces. The gladiators who lost became medicine for epileptics uh, while the winners... Uh, the winners became aphrodisiacs. In Roman times, soap was hard to come by, so athletes cleaned themselves by covering their bodies in oil and scraping the dead skin cells off of a tool called a strigil. Usually the dead skin cells were just discarded, but not if you were a gladiator. Their sweat and skin scrapings were put into a bottle and sold to women as an aphrodisiac. <laughs> Often this was worked into a facial cream. Women would rub the cream over their faces hoping the dead skin cells of a gladiator would make them irresistible to men. Huh. <laughs> and I also heard somewhere else that, yeah, they would use their sweat as a perfume of sorts. I've heard um, that. I've heard that one. 
Yeah. Um, again, I mean the that it's and it's you know totally. What? I I've I've not. That's that's an area of Roman history I am not super familiar with. But um, that's totally I, plausible. What I do know, it does not sound out of place. Um, that's <laughs> kind of like modern day like internet simps when they what's her name Delphine or whatever one of the streamers was selling her bath water. Oh yeah. Or or people selling celebrities' hair on you know, eBay and shit. Yeah, it's that it's you know, much like the ancient Romans, we still worship celebrities and some people will go as far as to want their own um bodily uh fluids and other nasty things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh here yeah. here's a good one. Now, this one, I think you should definitely be able to speak on. Um, three, Romans hold the first recorded mooning. <laughs> you know, when you yeah. show your butt to somebody. Um, Rome holds <laughs> the unique distinction of recording the first mooning in history. Flavius Josephus, a Jewish priest, wrote the first description of a mooning yes. while describing a riot in Jerusalem. Yes. You know I've, this. I've read that. Well, yes. you tell us about it then. Um, I mean, there's not much to say about it. <laughs> um, it's exactly what <laughs> it's pretty much what you said. Uh, so Flavius Josephus, um, or just known as Josephus, was he was a um, Jew Jewish um, rebel around the the during the first uh, Jewish Roman War or Judean Roman War. Some people don't like to call it right. Jewish War, um, and to sum it up, basically, he was with some rebels, but he got captured by um, Vespasian. And he was a very learned person, um, and he impressed Vespasian. The story is that he told Vespasian a, a prophecy, which, I mean, okay, maybe he just made it up by himself, like made it up <laughs> just to please him. But the story is that so he was held up in a cave with a bunch of other Jewish rebels and they were surrounded by Roman forces and uh, Josephus came up with this idea of, uh, I don't remember what it exactly is, but he's like um, uh, a mathematical way of where they all stand in a circle and then commit suicide in a certain order. Um, and then, and then the last person would kill, kill themselves. So they, they would all, they would kill each other. And then the last person would be the, because it was like a sin, you know, they, they didn't want to commit suicide because of uh, their religion and stuff like that. So they would kill each other. And then the last person would be the one to commit suicide. And the story is that he set it up in a way to guarantee that he was the last person alive so that he could live. Um, and he went on to basically be kind of a slave, kind of not. It's, uh, it's weird. Um, under mm. the, Flavian dynasty. So he was like okay. very close with Vespasian and with Emperor Titus and stuff like that. Um, and he would go on to write several histories of the war of the Jews is what he called them. Um, and uh, yeah, in one of, in one of those, he describes the first, um, the, the, the mooning. Um, yeah. Josephus well, is um, who I basically wrote my paper on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. So yeah, it says during Passover, Roman soldiers were sent to stand outside of Jerusalem to keep watch in case people revolted. 
They were meant to keep the peace, but one soldier did a little bit more. Joseph's own words, the soldier lifted up the back of his garments, turned his face away, and with his bottom to them, crouched in a shameless way, and released them a foul-smelling sound uh, where they were offering sacrifice. The Jews were furious. Uh, First, they demanded that the soldier be punished, and then they started um, throwing rocks at the Roman soldiers. Soon, a full-on riot broke out in Jerusalem, and a jester that would live on for a thousand years was born. I... People have mooned each other before that. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think that's the oh, first. Yeah. I don't think that's the first guy that ever thought of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the first recorded mooning. It's pretty significant. Unless someone, you know, you could bring up. Oh, actually. Uh, the Egyptians did it all the time. Blah blah blah. I mean, I'm sure it happened before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure it happened. The first like recorded, recorded <laughs> like uh, like someone like a historian. It would have been on TikTok mentioning this type of thing. Yeah, um, I'm sure it happened. If uh, Josephus had a self a smartphone, he would have TikToked it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, "Whoa, look at this! This is crazy." Let's see. Hold on. Uh... Oh, here's a here's one. Now correct me on this one too, or correct this writer. Romans vomited so they could keep eating. Now that's a generalization. That that wouldn't be any Roman. Um, I, I think it would be like the upper class essentially, because I, I heard about this that they would have these huge banquets or, or whatever it was called, and they would eat so much because you know the rich could afford it, and even when they were full, they would have some slave or somebody stick a feather down their throat, vomit, so they could eat more. Yeah. Um, it says some people threw up in the bowls that they kept around the table, but others didn't let themselves get so caught up in the form- formalities. Um, in some homes, people would just throw up right there on the floor and go back to eating. Jeez. Um, the slaves are people you really need to feel sorry for. Uh, yeah, for many reasons. So <laughs> that's a bit of an understatement. Uh, their jobs were terrible. Jobs. That's also uh, in a, uh that's an overstatement. <laughs> oh, you're frozen. Oh. Oh, there you are. Um, so in the words of Seneca. We reclined at the banquet. One slave wipes up the spittle. Another situated beneath connects, collects the leavings of the drunks. I've heard, I've heard that before. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ooh, here's another list. 10 intriguing ancient Roman foods. By David Hughes and fact-checked by Jamie Fratter, apparently. Um, see if there's any weird ones. I know they would eat brains and whatever sometimes. I've had brain. You have. <laughs> M- me? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What type of brain was it? 
It was in a taco. Do you they know they what, called it head. Do you know what type of animal it was from? I think it was a goat or something. Ah, nice. Um, I had it one time. It was not good. <laughs> it was very not good. I'd be weary very, of brain uh, as a very fatty. Well, not f- you know, you know how brain is like gelatinous and whatever. Yeah, it squishy. Was not yeah, very. It was not um, pleasing. <laughs> Top ten facts you need to know about golems. So oh, that's that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm more of a ghoul guy myself. I also like I ghouls. like ghouls. I like magnets. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to the <laughs> Always Sunny podcast, and they were on that episode. Uh, the um, Matt gets married. Or no, uh, the waitress gets married. Yeah. This is a tangent, by the way. Uh, but I don't have any. I would have to run over to the kitchen and get a shot. But this is only this is the first one. Yeah. But, um. He was just talking. They were talking about just like how um, he thought ghouls would just be funny. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Um, Tell us more about Rome, Colton. Okay. Modern day Rome. Modern day Rome. You've been there, haven't you? I went there. How was the Colosseum? How big was it? It's pretty cool. is 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 pretty big. Uh, I went there with uh, with Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, Jarrett. Uh, um, I mean, Rome was cool. I preferred Florence. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wish I could go back to Rome now. Uh, appreciate it more. Uh, I I found a list here. It's I mean it's it's not that cool of a. Did you list. get to go inside the Colosseum or anything or um? Yeah, I was inside it. Not not into the, the middle area, uh, but I did go inside. Now, do we know? Because I know erosion and everything, of course, over 1,000. How old is the Coliseum? Like 2000? Um, let's see. Uh, it was built under the reign of Titus, so that would be ooh, 90 AD or CE. So basically like 2000. Um, yeah, almost two thousand years old. Almost. Um, um, the thing, the thing why... with, the, with a lot of those ruins, like the Colosseum. Um, so, I mean, two things to remember about Roman ruins is that one is that um, sediment builds up a lot faster than people think it does. Um, right. A lot of Roman of ruins are or were completely buried. Yeah, most of them are probably gone. Yeah. Um, that's why cities like now Florence is the Colosseum have, uh, subway system is because there's Roman ruins underground. Um, and then there's well, like things... much like how Mexico City was built on top of um the uh Aztec ruins, yeah, or was it mine? Me- uh, uh, yeah, Aztec, the Mexica, yeah. Aztec, yeah, um, yeah, where Mexico City is built on a lake and then they they filled in the lake, um, <laughs> uh, but uh. <laughs> Colonizing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then there's also a lot of examples of things like the Colosseum. It's partly in the state it's now today, not because of just natural erosion, but that's um, what I was wondering. Because, like, why is there a huge chunk of it missing? Like, I figured 
if it wasn't touched and it was just natural erosion, most of it would still probably be there. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, a really important thing to remember about. I just wonder uh, what happened. History, especially ancient history, is that throughout a lot of our human history, people didn't give a fuck about preserving things. Right. Well, so so and I don't just like how we don't you know, we don't give a fuck about preserving modern day buildings, like just random homes and whatever. We yeah. just let places go to shit. And and I don't, I don't mean in the future, 2000 years from now, they're going to be like, Oh, why didn't they uh, preserve and, this? And I don't mean just history. letting places go to shit, but I mean like people would like take stones from the Coliseum and use it to build their own houses. Right. And people, so there used to be like marble now, and stuff like that on the Coliseum. People would strip the marble off of it um so what this is a, a side yeah. tangent but like with the sphinx there's all kinds of rumors on why it lost its nose and everything mm-hmm. so just simply erosion then napoleon shoot it with a cannonball napoleon didn't um, shoot it with a cannonball napoleon did discover it but it's like we have um, all these rumors that, that about these things but like the coliseum Is there anything we know that happened to it? Or people, um, people, people uh, just took shit from it. Or just people <laughs> just took like, shit. Like, yeah, it was because Rome was never abandoned. It was people have always been living in Rome since it was founded. Um, oh, yeah. It just, it got to it. There was a period of time after the fall of the Western Roman Empire where, you know, a, a long time after the Colosseum was no longer in use, people just started. They were like, "We need to build our houses. We need materials." No one stopped because, them. No one cared. Whether because we're trying to get valuable materials to sell, or because we need building materials. And here's a a building. No one's using it, and it has some pre-cut stones for us to use. Now this would have been so they would take way them. after they moved the capital, moved to Constant Constantinople, right? Oh, way after that, yeah. Way after, uh, yeah. Constantinople became the capital of the Roman Empire during, oh, geez, 200 uh, CE, some, somewhere around there, give or take 50 years. I don't know. Um, and then move on <laughs> like another, what, thousand years? You get the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. Uh, or was it sooner than that? Less than a thousand years of the Holy Roman Empire. Like 800 uh, yeah, that that's that's a weird one because uh, the first Holy Roman Empire would have been Charle Emperor would have been Charlemagne, Charlemagne. which isn't that yeah ninth or yeah ninth century, so in the eight hundreds. But the Ro- Holy Roman Empire as a you know what is modern day Germany like that when you think of that that's slightly different. It's weird. It's really weird. Um, well, a lot of that <laughs> still bleeds in today. Yeah. To like the holy Catholic Church, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that is yeah, built yeah, upon you, the holy like, Roman Empire. You know, you take just throughout the medieval period, people people just took shit from Roman ruins. Either Roman ruins were completely buried. I mean, I mean, you look again. Look at the Sphinx. The Sphinx was discovered by Napoleon, and I mean, discovered by Napoleon as before Napoleon and his troops discovered it. It was completely buried in sand. Right, because and. It bit, sediment builds up very quick. No one really bothered with it. Yeah, nobody gave a shit. Um, and now the pyramids. Well, we'll do an Egypt episode at some point. Maybe yeah. that'll be the next 
historical that'd and that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know I know you you're a buff with a, a history buff with ancient Egypt. Well, I, yeah. I like Egyptian stuff, but I wouldn't call myself a history buff. I mean, I've done some essays on like Nefertiti, Cleopatra. I mean, the Romans uh, borrowed Nefertiti. a lot of shit from ancient Egypt. Cleopatra though. was, uh, I would say, one of Caesar's lovers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Her and um, Mark Antony. Some of like the best depictions of Cleopatra come from Roman bust of her. Yeah, when she visited, you yeah. know, um, and uh, I mean, and the Romans took a lot from Egyptian culture too. So in in, in a couple different ways. So in later Roman, on well, Cleopatra history, was very much like a emissary to Rome. Yeah, in many ways, um, and then also. I mean, she was very smart. She she managed to kind of strike a deal that kept Egypt as a independent. It was Sovereign, it was in the Roman yeah. sphere of influence, but it remained independent for a long time because of what she yeah. did. Is I mean, she was she slept with Caesar. <laughs> well, yeah, that. But also the way she played her cards was she was a smart no, yeah, she was um, very really, smart, yeah. Um, but uh, so like later in Roman history, you know, time of Const, uh, Constantine. Uh, you see on like Roman coins, uh, so Roman coins were propaganda, as well as money. Because uh, our coins are propaganda. Yeah, um, we still do our it now. coin. Yeah. The whole idea of our coins is extremely similar. It's like the same as Roman coins. Yeah, you have the but president's you, heads. Yeah, well, you would see. I mean, in, in Roman coins later in the Roman Empire, so like time of Constantine, and you, and you see this symbology now in the United States. Oh, the United States is extremely um, wrong. So you know the uh the Statue of Liberty, the the that spiked crown thing. Yeah. Um that's well, that, and, that's a Roman thing. It's Sol Invictus. That was designed by a Frenchman though. Yeah. Um but uh, still uh it's it's still you see it in you see it in modern art and stuff all the time. Um Well, look at a, go to Washington DC or go to any capital in the United States. Mm-hmm. Roman architecture. You have Roman iconography, and you could argue, yeah. you know, it's also Greek iconography. Greco-Roman, you might call it, yeah. Greco-Roman, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Um, but you know, you have Lady Freedom, and you know all these classical statues, and then you you go into the uh, rotunda, and it our like landmarks are all based off of some kind of ancient culture, and most of them are Roman and their architecture with the columns, like go to the Lincoln Memorial, go to Jefferson Memorial. Um, and then, yeah, you have some other cultures that sink their way in. Like the Washington monument is just an Egyptian. Uh, what's it called? Um, an obelisk. Obelisk. Yeah. Yeah. And no, uh, but I mean, but like the, so- the, the, I even read that the layout of Washington DC is like a Roman inspired layout for oh, really? a city. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, I mean, Statue of Liberty, not, not, not even just the crown thing, although that's the most distinguishing feature, but the entire image of the Statue of Liberty of Lady Liberty oh, yeah. is based off of Sol Invictus, which was this thing you saw pop up in the late Roman, Western Roman Empire. So, you know, the 200 CE um, and later, which became their head god i mean you think of their head god you think of like jupiter right um yeah uh but later in roman history it became sol invictus which was the sun god which where do you think they got that well from? and 
like the Roman gods. But but, but just... I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna ask you where 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 do you think Sol Invictus comes from the the sun god? It's not Greek. No, that's definitely not Greek because I. Well, we all know that. So, like, you have the Greek gods, Zeus, uh, fucking Hades, Ares, Venus. Mm-hmm. No, not Venus. Sorry. Ap- Aphrodite. Yeah. Ven- and then the Roman gods. Oh, it's just the planets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ro- Romanized Jupiter. versions. Of Jupiter is Ares. No, Mars is Mars Ares. Is Jupiter is Zeus. Yeah. Um, yep. Neptune is Poseidon, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um Pluto is Hades. But like that whole pantheon it didn't last forever, obviously. And well, you, know, you, you saw when Constantine took power, he was Christian or he converted, and there's a whole story about that. But Christianity um, was still very much illegal. Until Constantine, yeah. So Constantine until did Constantine, a really smart yeah. thing, and he didn't make Christianity the state religion. He just made it legal, which it would be, but... and portrayed himself as Christian. Um, but he yeah. knew he would. He you see in in coins of Constantine, um, he uh, portrays himself as with Roman God, like Roman religion, religious um, archetypes. So um, there's a coin here. I'm holding up a coin. Oh, you actually have one here. Um, on the back of this coin, it shows Constantine. I, you won't be able to see this, but it shows Constantine. Um, it this was minted after his death. Uh, it's a commemoration coin, and um, okay, he's veiled, and the veil represented the pont- the office of the Pontifus Maximus, which is the head of the Roman state religion. Um, so you had a Christian okay. emperor who was still using Roman religious. Well, if he wanted to be an um, efficient emperor and have any sway over his people, he yeah. wanted to just say, oh, Christianity is the new religion of the Roman Empire. That wouldn't come until centuries For, later. Um, way less than centuries later, like more like oh. 50 years later. <laughs> um, it didn't take long. Well, my timeline's that. off. Um, I don't But I, yeah, yeah. For yeah, some reason, I think you're right, Constantine though, you're... is... For some reason, I, I, I picture Constantine like way uh, still quite a bit before uh charlemagne oh he is not it he just, is Char- it, it charlemagne wasn't roman though he is french yeah he was french yeah charlemagne so constantine is like 200 ce you know give or take i don't remember exactly when constantine was around um but no my point is he was smart about it and and one of the images you would see him use um was the soul invictus now i you know what i'm asking you is uh um Sun god. I mean, just think. What sun god? What's the first sun god you think of? Mediterranean region sun god. Ra. Yes. Sol Invictus is Ra. Uh huh. The Romans borrowed okay. Ra and put the into so they their borrowed religion, from the Egyptians, too. and it became like their <laughs> main god. In, in in later years of the empire um really um and so that's one way you know you see egyptian uh religion coming into um roman culture and then the other ways you see so one of the cultures that predates rome itself um the etruscans which we we really don't know a lot about they're they're very mysterious to us uh but one thing we do notice in etruscan 
you know, archaeologists have figured out from what they've studied about Etruscans is that they would build necropolises for their dead. And they seemed, right. they seemed, the Etruscans seemed to have a very similar mentality with the afterlife to the Egyptians. Like with mummification and pharaohs and everything? Yeah, uh, well, maybe not mummification, but like a necropolis. The idea that uh, you would go into the afterlife, be judged by the god, um, and uh, you had to have the things that you were buried with are the things that you would have in the afterlife. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if you think in the med- entire Mediterranean region, what are the two, the two big... Uh, cultures off the top of my head that did like things like a necropolis was the Egyptians being the most famous one, uh, but also the Etruscans. And the Etruscans are one of the cultures that were in Italy that predated the Romans. And the Romans didn't bring that aspect of the religion over the afterlife thing, but they brought a lot of Etruscan stuff over into their own culture, um, which, I mean, it just kind of brings it in perspective of how all of these Mediterranean cultures, the Romans, the Greeks, the Iberians, Carthaginians, Egyptians, Phoenicians, they're all still the Mediterranean region. They're all still very interconnected. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, which we, routes I think a that. lot of people forget um, about because they think a lot of people think about um, ancient world and how we think about the modern world with borders and that that's not that's not how it worked then. It's not exactly right. No, I mean, no. Um, now, when when did exactly the Roman Empire begin? What would you say marked the start of the Roman Empire? The Roman Empire. Uh, in yeah. Uh, what was no, it? not not the Roman Empire. <laughs> um, just Roman. Because it was an empire originally. Well, yeah, so it was oh let me pull this up. Um so seven fifty three seven fifty three BCE would be mark the official foundation of Rome. Now originally it was a kingdom and had kings. So starting with Romulus yeah. and uh, and Remus, so Romulus being the, the one who murdered remus um and uh there were seven kings of rome and then the republic was formed yeah then it was the republic and then caesar would uh, and then um, the republic goes on until caesar which was becomes an emperor 60 bce um let me say uh 44 BC is when Caesar died. So it was Brutus that killed Caesar, right? Am I correct? Yeah, Brutus and a bunch of other people. Caesar was stabbed stabbed like a ton of times. It was um, and Octavian who would become Augustus, the first emperor. Now you can ask a lot of people who was some people, historians consider Caesar to be the first emperor of Rome because he really did set the uh, set it up but, yeah but you can argue that caesar was more of a dictator um it's it's weird there's a lot of arguments on well he through his this. military victories and his fame and fortune he you know mm-hmm. expanded his power to 
become a dictator. Essentially, and yeah. To quickly sum it up, yeah, I watched the um, watch the Dark Knight. The quote from Harvey Dent, you know. Yeah, you live long or, enough. Uh, or Rachel actually says that the Caesar was the last. Yeah, that's it's Rachel that says the line. Because um, they would appoint one man to protect Rome. Kind of a, a so dictator. And yeah. yeah, and then, uh, so, and then some people uh, argue that so you live I, long enough to become the hero or die becoming the villain or whatever. There, there's a or I no, you died hero or live to be the well, villain. Yeah, there, there's Something another. Like I don't remember his name, but it was uh, geez. Uh, not to maybe a hundred years at most before Caesar, fifty years. I don't remember when it was. Um, but there's another guy who was the example of a dictator who was appointed dictator. Um, he was a consul, so the Rome Rome had the Senate and then two consuls who served year term yeah. year long terms. Um, and a consul could become a dictator. Um, and there was a guy who became a dictator and like didn't want to give up his power, and he eventually he he fucked himself. Um, and he he lost. He didn't succeed. But um, some people even consider that guy to be the first the the first real emperor of Rome because he was the one that kind of started it all by trying that in the first place. But it, it's weird. So who? You yeah, but be the Caesar. First? I think Caesar made it a a reality. Oh yeah, definitely Caesar. I would argue Caesar didn't didn't. Because I would argue Caesar wasn't an emperor because even Augustus, when he became emperor, he was really smart about how he played it. He didn't immediately step in and say like, oh, like, like Chancellor, like Palpatine going, oh, I'm reforming it into the first class. <laughs> I am the Senate. He, he didn't do that. <laughs> he stepped in, made him like established himself. Um, gathered more power on top of what Caesar did and kind of transitioned the Republic into um, the empire. He didn't just declare it an empire. Um, now, yeah. Colton, can you name the, off the top of your head, Caesar's greatest military conquests? Gaul. Just some of your Gaul. Some that you know. Gaul? Yeah. It's his only really impressive one. Uh, there's other, I mean, he did other stuff, but Gaul is like, that's what brought him fame and fortune. Um, he, uh, so Gaul. Yeah. When, when he was, so was France, the Germanic France. Fr okay. France. Okay. It was what you would call Gaul. Um, and, there's a whole, there's a bunch of fascinating stuff there. He defeated, um, what's his name? Uh, Vercingetorix, who is like the Gaulish leader who really gave the Romans a hard time. But, but Caesar, um, I mean, Caesar is, was awesome. He, he, uh, <laughs> Kaiser, <laughs> Kaiser, yes. Um, he was cool. He was, uh, I, I don't want to go on any rant, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say a couple things about. Fun That's why things, Caesar was awesome. Fun things about Caesar, not 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 all right, all right. not gushing on him. So one thing is that he was <laughs> he got himself appointed Pontifex Maximus. Uh, Pontifex Maximus, one you know the religious head of Rome. Um, but one of their jobs was to uh, um, manage the calendar. 
of Rome, which meant uh, declaring exactly when holidays would be. Um, and also, Wait, is this they they did a is solar- this where we lost time? No, um, but I know it was the Romans fuck up, right? So so they lost some time. He fixed <laughs> it. And then we lost a little bit of time until the Gregorian calendar, which is the modern calendar. Um, and if yeah. you ever hear people say that we're actually so many years off because of the Gregorian calendar, that is wrong. We're like, yeah, that's something I've heard, but I never a couple of days off. At oh, well, wow. at most, the Gregorian calendar is really good. Um, well, yeah, no wonder. But, we but use so, it. but it is related like to this. Society. It is related to this. This fun thing about Julius Caesar. So he was in charge okay. of. So the Roman calendar, they had a solar calendar, or, um. Yeah, it a, or as a lunar calendar, it's a lunar calendar. I don't remember, but they had their calendar and, and it was off. So the Pontus Maximus, one of their jobs was to insert days into the year manually to keep the calendar on track. Um, But Julius Caesar spent like 15 years off in Gaul conquering. So he wasn't doing that. <laughs> um, oh. So when it came time for the Roman civil war that happened, um, where he was basically committed, uh, taking control and like setting himself up to be emperor and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there's an example, uh, uh, one situation where, um, one of his enemies fled to Greece and, uh, they sent out a blockade into the, what's the sea in between Ro- uh, Greece and Italy called, I don't remember. Um, and, uh, they, they sent out ships to blockade there uh, so he couldn't get across with his army, but they were looking at the calendar and they're like, oh, it's like January, it's winter, it's dangerous to have ships out, so we should bring our ships back. The Ionian Sea. I, nice. Um, so they, they, they brought their ships back into port, but really, it was actually like May, <laughs> like spring, because... Julius Caesar had fucked up on the calendar, but Julius Caesar knew this. <laughs> so he, when they pulled their ship back because they thought it was winter, he used that to cross the Ionian Sea. To how did to they think it them. was winter though? I don't know. They were just following the calendar. No, oh, it's cold. It's one of those weird, like I'm not <laughs> fun little things with history where it's like, how did this happen? I don't know. Imagine but... looking at your phone like in the middle of a like january but it says may you're like well fuck it's summer i'm just gonna wear shorts and a shirt yeah and and then and then because of this whole situation is one of the reasons why he then went and helped create um he had help he didn't do it by himself he had a very smart guy i don't remember the guy's name it was an egyptian guy um help him create the julian calendar which went until like the 1500s and then the gregorian calendar um which is just a slightly modified version of the Julian calendar. Well, July, July and August, August. Augustus, right? I think also um, doesn't October derive. Uh, I know July and August. So, so basically Julius, essentially a lot, of, a lot of the months are named after what month they are. So October originally would have been the eighth month of the year. And you can can you guess? What oh, are the because two months. Oct so what what are the two, two months they added? 
when they made the Julian calendar. November and December. Nope, because that's uh nine. And or 10. what did they add? Uh, January and February. Okay. And they changed um the months. And then uh, October shifted to ten. Yeah, the and then month. they changed the names of the months to Ju- to July and August. But they didn't add those months, and they just changed the names. They added okay. January, um, and February off of um. It's uh, based on of a god. Um, January. Uh, that's. Well, and like Saturday, doesn't that come from like Saturn, Saturnalia? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um. Uh, Janice is where uh, the Roman god of beginnings and endings is where the okay. word January comes from. And then February Makes comes sense. from the word, uh, Februm, beginning of the year, purification, uh, the rites and, instru- um, yeah. So that, that, those are the two months they added. Uh, they, they didn't add July and August. They just changed the names. Okay. So I don't know what the way they would have been before. <laughs> Anyway, before I rant too much about Julius Caesar. Hey, you go on. Um, um, <laughs> do you have anything else? Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about, because I think this would be good for some Instagram posts. Um, because one of my favorite things about Roman uh, culture is the architecture. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, this isn't visual, but I'll, um, I'll be sure to post some of these in the Instagram. Uh, so I'm going to just kind of quickly go through, see if you recognize any of these. Sure you will. Uh, So number 10, the Ark of Septimus Severus. This monumental ark was constructed in 203 AD. In fact, I could screen share to show you. Oh, yeah, definitely do that. Oh, you you disabled it. Oh. (laughs) Um, I I, I changed it now. I oh, you, you fixed it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna show you all my horn pub. You know, at some point we're gonna be doing Zoom <laughs> a lot of the time on the show here. Um, yeah, that honestly could be a excuse for us to start every once in a while doing video uh, clips, at least, or something like that. Well, in I, I, I I'm gonna look into getting a a good we- webcam, so I'll be in HD. Nice. I should do the same. And I'm just you using know, my so built-in we actually, webcam on it, my laptop. Me too. But if we want to do a visual podcast at some point, I want it to be good quality, of course. Yeah. Um, in fact, let me see if I just pull this list up online. Then we can, can stop neglecting our YouTube channel. Yeah. I I I I don't even I keep forgetting that exists. Not every episode, um, for some reason, even makes it on there. And we because we it's just automated what Podbean um, 
hosts decides <laughs> um and not every episode even makes it onto youtube for, for whatever reason I, and i don't give a shit enough to like worry about it really <laughs> here we go this is the same list i was looking at oh cool so this way you can see so yeah the arch of septimus severus can you see that look at oh that. yes um this monumental arc was constructed Arch was constructed in 20380 in the recognition of unprecedented Roman victories over the Parthians in the dying years of the second century. Nope, I don't want to subscribe. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Of course, it, it was under Septimus Severus' rule that Rome was able to successfully suppress a raging civil war among its neighboring states. But the icing on the cape came mm. when he immediately declared war on the Parthian Empire and brought the Parthians to their knees. In recognition of his achievements, Roman Senate had one of the most beautifully decorated triumphal arches erected on his return to Rome. Originally, it had a bronze-gilded inscription as homage to Septimus and his two sons, Caracalla and Geta. I don't know if I'm pronouncing, pronouncing it right. For having restored and expanded the Roman Republic, it was a unique triumphal monument by all standards in contemporary Rome. Even today, despite some heavy damage, it stands as a lasting reminder of a once flamboyant Roman Republic. Number nine, nice. the Temples of Balbic. Major attraction, a remarkable archaeological site in present-day Lebanon. Balbec is considered one of the most spectacular wonders of the ancient world. It also happens to be one of the largest, most prestigious, and most well-preserved Roman uh, temples built in the ancient Roman area. I that's mean, a, era. That's a, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, that's a really good example of Romans copying Greek architecture. Yeah, and then because in a, in a lot of in a lot of Roman architecture, you can see Greek yeah, stuff, the columns but they and... Romanize it. That's a really good example of it's very Greek looking. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first of Balbic temples was constructed in the first century BC, and over the next 200 years, Romans built three more, each dedicated to the gods Jupiter, Bacchus, and Venus, respectively. The largest temple among them was the Temple of Jupiter, which had 54 huge granite columns, uh, each around 70 feet tall. Nice. Oh, this has always been one of my favorites. I remember climbing it in uh, one of the Assassin's Creeds. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think uh, the Egyptian one or whatever. Um, I know they had one of these Roman uh, bridge. Well, Is that what it would be? An aqueduct. Aqueduct? Yeah, they're aqueducts. Point de Guard, literally the guard bridge, is one of the few surviving aqueducts constructed during the Roman Empire. Located in present-day southern France, it was built somewhere in the middle of the first century AD. Aqueduct was constructed without the use of any mortar. Roman engineers built this three-story masterpiece by fitting together massive blocks of precisely cut stones. These huge blocks of stone weighed up to six tons each, and the bridge itself measured up to 1,180 feet at its highest point. I mean, it's those are the aqueducts... <laughs> They, if you do, if you were to describe them to someone like they're just a way to transport water, they don't sound that cool. But when you look at them, you're like, wow, but they look that, so cool. They're cool looking, and it's really impressive 
that i mean 2000 years and, almost you know? and like some of the ancient cities you discover in elden ring <laughs> yeah um they have like roman inspired aqueducts i i really like how in elden ring like you go into one of the i forget what it's called but one of the like buried uh, underground cities it has a bit of like egyptian culture roman culture like it's a cool kind of mix of oh, those yeah. ancient cultures i definitely need to get back um, to elden ring i think i'm gonna yeah you should if it's on sale ever i'm gonna grab it on the steam deck i would I, I think you'll have more I've fun with it on there. On it'll, that, yeah. it'll run better and it will look better. Yeah. <laughs> um, say what you'll but you know, but say what you will about the Romans being weird as fuck. Uh, they built some cool shit. Well, of course, we have the Pantheon. Pantheon is arguably the most well-preserved architectural marvel from the ancient Roman era. Unlike many other contemporary Roman temples that were always. Uh, dedicated to particular uh, Roman deities, Pantheon was a temple for all the Roman gods, hence the name Pantheon. Can you tell me who the built construction it? Construction of the... the the emperor. You can here's a hint. It's in the, uh, it's, in the it's it's in the picture. It's in the picture. Marcus Agrippa. <laughs> Oh, okay. I don't read uh, Latin. I'm sorry. No, it just says M. Agrippa is the first word there. (laughs) Oh, it's just literally his. uh, Yeah. Marcus Agrippa. First initial and last name. Yep. (laughs) That's great. That's great. The Romans were all about abbreviating shit. You see that in their coins, especially because you have limited space. So you have to abbreviate shit. Well, yeah, look at like fret houses and stuff that use yeah. uh, Roman l- letters and shit. Um, yeah, but they don't know. They don't. Construction of this. <laughs> no. The construction of this temple was completed in 125 AD during the rule of Hadrian. Hadrian. Hadrian yeah. uh, the Pantheon was a large circular uh, portico that opens up to a rotunda. The rotunda is covered by a majestic dome that adds a whole new dimension to its grandeur. Sheer size and scale of this dome is a lasting testimony to the skills of ancient Roman architects and engineers. In fact, this astounding piece of engineering still stands today, surviving 2,000 years worth of corrosion and natural disasters. Speaks volumes for its build quality. It's and very, honestly, so, so here's what I'll say about the Parthenon or the Pantheon, not the Parthenon, different building, the Pantheon. Um, uh, the way they built it, so that the 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 dome is made of blocks of concrete that are just stacked well, yeah, concrete. That, way, that was a huge which is technological, super impressive. And then also that is one of the Roman buildings on this list. I've seen in person. Nice. And uh, I have to say it's my favorite. It is breathtaking in real life. It's massive. I distinctly remember like, and this is after having seen the forum and the Colosseum and all that stuff. I remember turning the corner and you know, the, then Rome you're, you're like, you're in a city and you turn a corner and there's that building sitting there. Right. And it's in immaculate condition. Um, and it's, it's, it, it is breathtaking. It's really, really, really impressive. And then, as I was uh, talking about before, um, you can see it everywhere in the U.S. Capitol and any U.S. Oh, Capitol, yeah. but especially Washington D.C. All these major landmarks 
I really love the design of the clearly Roman inspired. You know, we're looking at a picture here. You, you look at the Lincoln Memorial. It has the Roman inspired thing, but the top of it where it's very squared off almost seems Egyptian to me. Well, yeah, because which uh, was uh, people don't talk about is was also a real Egyptian arc, uh, architecture is was really, 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 really big throughout the 1800s in the United States. Um, yeah, look right there to Washington Monument. Yeah. yeah. I really love the uh, Lincoln Memorial architecturally. It's it's a really, really cool looking building. No, but Ro- I mean, R- Roman Republic, Roman Empire, especially the Republic, you know, this, the idea of the Senate. And I mean, so much about Rome still carries on as PQR in modern society. The, the SPQR, Senatus yeah. Populusque Romanus, the Senate and the people of Rome. Um, yep. Even into the era of the empire, that was still the, um, uh, like kind of the motto of Rome. You, if Senate of the sense. Roman Empire. Yeah. Um, because the Senate and the no specifically the Senate and the people of Rome, and the people of Rome. So um, I gotta look this up real quick because I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, uh, so okay, yeah, here it is. So you know, you take Augustus. I mentioned earlier that Augustus. When he became emperor, he didn't just like like in Star Wars declare not straight up Roman. A, uh, it is Roman, <laughs> but he didn't he didn't just declare himself emperor. He declared himself. This was um, a principus, which means the first person, meaning that it was his way of saying, "Hey." To the citizens of Rome, the people of Rome, saying, "Hey, I'm one of you. I'm just the one that's in charge." Because still, Senatus Populusque Romanus, the Senate and the people of Rome, as much as Caesar and Augustus were immensely popular among the people of Rome, they still valued the idea of the Republic and the Senate because. There are many accounts throughout Caesar's rise to power of people say like accusing him of being a king, but being a king, that was bad in Rome, even during the empire. If if someone called you a king, that was an insult. The Romans were so adamantly against the idea of a monarchy that they that that you know that that even Caesar made a big fuss. There's a there's an example of a time where he made a big fuss where it was a public event. He was on stage and he did this whole staged thing where someone came and offered him a crown in front of everyone and he refused it. Oh, yeah. Because it would be so negative to be associated with a monarchy, with being a king. So Augustus, very he was very smart. He did not jump to saying i am 
a monarchy. I'm in charge. He said, no, I'm one of you. I am a person of Rome. I just happen to be the one who is in charge. But I'm still a Roman citizen. Man of Rome. Just like yeah. any of you. <clears throat> Which was the smartest but, um, thing he possibly could have done. I was talking about... I mean, just the Roman influence on the United States, but it's everywhere. I mean, one of one of the ones I always kind of got confused, uh, the Arc of Triumph, Arc de Triumph. Um, Yeah, in uh, Paris. Mission by Napoleon. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's straight up Roman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not not even like Greco Roman. That's. No, it's just Roman. Just straight up Roman, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's something the Romans did, the, the triumph arcs. Um, that thing there uh, on your screen there, what's that? That's also very Roman. The um that's something Romans the call those column things, what is what it? are they called? I don't remember what they're called. Uh um that's something Romans did too. The place uh the place of Endome? I don't know what it's called, but that's definitely in France. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, you know, this this isn't working out for audio. Uh, oh, yeah. fuck, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the Jefferson Memorial, yeah, that's different. Oh, yeah, I but forget yeah, about I that mean, one. It's like straight, straight modeled off of, off of the Pantheon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not even... It's nothing a, wrong with that though. The Pantheon's a beautiful building. Um, um it originally probably had like gold on it and stuff like that too. No, imagine um, going back to the height of uh Rome uh and actually seeing those structures, you the, know, the idea of portraying form, with all the paint. Yeah, the, paint, the idea of the portraying the inlays Roman, and Roman Greco-Roman architecture and statues as like pure marble and stuff like that was a Renaissance invention. Yeah, because I mean that's um, how we see it now because of erosion and the paint went away mm-hmm. and uh, so on and so forth. But, but yeah, I mean the, the Pantheon, it's an immaculate condition, but it would have had like gold on the front of it and, and it, like that. you know plenty of paint um, and colors and yeah. But it, it yeah, um, it's a, it's a great, it's a really impressive building. Yeah, I mean, I don't have. Do you have anything else to say about ancient Rome? Um, have. Yeah. See if I can pull it up here. And then we'll. In this one. Yeah. So I have. I have an example. All right, let me see. Okay. Trying to find uh Let me see. Uh I just typed in Roman and I got numerals and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. We still use the Roman numerals. Yeah. Not all the time, but like look at different movie titles and different so, book chapters. So what, what and, I, well, I was trying to find this list here. I've got maybe, I remember it, learning the Roman numerals in math class. 
oh, yeah. in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, so like, I've when got are we here, ever going to use this? I thought an appropriate way to close us out here. I had to find this. Tab. Yeah, let's close this um, out with something good. Uh, some we you started it with a joke. I think we should oh, end yeah, it yeah, with yeah. a joke. Uh, I've got some uh, some jokes from ancient Rome, not about ancient Rome. So, actual from ancient Rome, Roman jokes. That, so this is what they found funny. Yeah. So here we go. Pee on um, your. Pee on the peasants. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, this is mentioned by this joke is from Aulus uh, Gellius, second century CE. A man okay. standing before a censor is about to testify whether he has a wife. The censor asks, Do you have, in all your honesty, a wife? And he responds, I surely do, but not in all my honesty. <laughs> that's pretty good um, <laughs> um here we go here's an here's another one i've just got a couple of these um a runner i do but not in all my honesty <laughs> yeah um this is from uh first century uh bce uh a runner going to participate in the olympic games had a dream that he was driving a quadriga Early in the morning, he goes to a dream interpreter for an explanation. The reply is, you will win. That meant the speed and the strength of the horses. But to be sure about this, the runner visits another dream interpreter. This one replies, you will lose. Don't you understand that four ones came before you? I don't, I don't get this one. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> don't you understand that four ones came before you? Um, what's see. a quadrega? It's like a anyways. Uh, four horses, like some kind drawn. of chariot. Oh, oh, I get it, I get it. Okay, okay, because. Because a quadriga is a chariot pulled by four horses, so four ones came before mm. you. The four horses. Oh, because the horses won. Right. Yeah. Okay. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, well, that's why. That's why you just uh, last second you. Yeah. You jump in front of the horses, get trampled, but you win. Yeah. Uh, so one more here. Give us another one. Um, All right, one more. Uh, let's see. Um, so Make this it a good one, one, this one, this one, uh, there's only a few jokes here. So this one, the, the, I'm just going to say it, read out from this website, the preface for this, uh, naturally in Rome, as well as today, it was not appropriate to make fun of certain social groups or to burn jokes. For example, Romans believe that a blind person should not be mocked. Moreover, not all the jokes were funny. That's some that's fair. as we would call them today were chestnut. Should be. Uh, some of the historians' accounts show what the ruler might what what could make the ruler laugh. And I just joke. drank a whole bottle of wine. Nice. I'm almost almost done with mine. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Uh, yeah, I need a good drink before this. I don't drink wine all the time, but when I do, I. 
I always regret it the next morning, right? You done a whole bottle in one sitting? I've I've talked about this before that wine always gets me uh and yeah, it could be a placebo it could be all psychological placebo effect, but it always gets me in a happier kind of drunk, you know. I'm sure it's a placebo effect, but I agree with you though. Because here's the thing is placebo does not have to Marks. mean it's not a legitimate like mental can like way if you're you, processing well, stuff. It's not that I'm think actively thinking, oh yeah, wine makes me, you know. But it's it's more like technically speaking, every type of alcohol gets you drunk, and there's not a different type of drunk depending on the alcohol. But, but there's different ingredients. You are in a different mindset depending on what you're well, and you have and fermented grapes. Well, it's it's. I think it's more like, depending on what you're drinking, you are in a different mindset, and that affects. Well, and also what mood you're in. It, I think it depends on because, like, beer is carbonated in most cases, unless mm. you're drinking a, a stout. Yeah, so you're gonna be more bloated and shit. Yeah, wine. You know, you don't feel that bloating. You don't. It's just very light. It's refreshing. It's, yeah. And also, it dyes your lips red, so yeah. everyone knows you've been drinking wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, here's this last joke. Um, This is from Suetonius. Oh, shit, Suetonius. That's Who's awesome. Suetonius? Uh, he was a Roman um, a historian from 1st or 2nd century CE. I don't remember. I had to read a bunch of his shit in school. <laughs> um, all right. At one of his more sumptonious some banquets, uh, Caligula, this is a joke about Caligula. Okay. Suddenly burst into a fit of laughter. And when the consuls who were reclining next to him politely inquired at what he was laughing, he replied, what do you suppose except that a single nod of mine, both of you could have your throats cut on the spot. I like that. This is a, like this that. is supposed to be an account of something like... Caligula was laughing at. Yeah. <laughs> he was notoriously um, a bad. Well, that's the, that's the so, modern, you know, that's the, that's the modern equivalent of basically saying, Like, not even joking with somebody, just telling somebody to fuck off, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm gonna beat you up, you know, that kind of thing. Suetonius wrote his most famous thing he wrote is called The Twelve Caesars, um, which was, uh, his historical account, quote unquote, historical account of the first 12 Caesars up to when he was alive, uh, which was the Basically, okay. the Julian and the Flavian dynasty. Um, and uh, it's a good, it's actually a really important read if you're ever studying Roman history. But uh, um, yeah, so that's apparently something Caligula would have laughed, Caligula would have laughed at. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else? Yeah, chat GPT is going to give us something. Oh, sweet. That's a perfect way to end this. Uh, there it is. Last of the wine. 
Here's another joke about ancient Rome. Why did the Roman soldier go into the bar? Why? To get a... F- oh, AI, you are... You don't even know anything. But anyways, the answer was <laughs> to get a few beers and some Caesar salad. A Roman soldier would never purchase a beer. Oh, well, okay, okay, okay. Oh. I'm going to I'm going to defend ChatGPT here and say maybe this is a Roman maybe soldier. Maybe a, a soldier who was recruited or something out of the Gauls because there were some oh, okay. soldiers who were recruited <laughs> from Gaul. And maybe he's uh maybe he's getting beer in private, you know, he hopes yeah, no one may- finds maybe out. Maybe it's a Roman soldier <laughs> who is from Gaul but joined the Romans, or it's a Roman soldier who is from Rome but is in Gaul. And maybe and that's beer just is what they to... have. Just what yeah. They have. But I think a true Roman soldier would even lower themselves. They'd be drinking to such wine, a drink, dude. Yeah. <laughs> If the a- all the AI had to do was just say wine, that that's all it had to do, yeah. And that joke would have been so funny. What did um? So a Roman soldier walks into a bar. He walks up to the bartender and says, uh, "I'd like uh, five beers, please." And he holds up two fingers. Well, yeah, because the Roman, uh-huh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. But he would never ask for five beers. Maybe he's buying it for his friends. He's buying a oh yeah, because of beers, right? He's friends with non-Romans. Is that yeah, yeah. Maybe he's maybe he's buying some beers for some. For okay, some, okay. Uh, I, I I gave yeah. the AI a premise. A Roman soldier walks into a bar. Okay. Okay. Sure. Here's a joke with that premise. A Roman soldier walks into a bar and asks the bartender for a martinis. Bartender, confused, asks, don't you mean a martini? The Roman soldier replies, <laughs> if I wanted more than one, I would have asked for a martinius. That's really good. That's, That's really good, actually. That's... <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There I'm you gonna go. Thank that you, ChatGPT. That's that's actually a good joke. Here, I'll share. I'll share it to you. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Finally, the AI oh, did a good God. one. All right, well, we better end this one. Um, probably should. Yes. Uh, me and Colton are. Hmm. actually i'm not gonna say anything the next episode you know how it goes it could be about anything but i hope you gotta it's about stay tuned to find out something in particular um but you'll see when it comes out won't you um <laughs> um be sure to follow us at uh adjunct pod on instagram check out our link tree uh give us a Download, subscribe, review, rating, whatever you prefer, whatever you listen to. Uh, Spotify, uh, we actually have five stars now. Like, actually. Um, Hell counts. yeah. Uh, we have 10 <laughs> ratings. So we would like to have some more ratings. Uh, Apple Podcasts, we got over 40. You know, that's good. But um, definitely, if you enjoy this, 
uh, definitely leave us a rating or review. Yeah, tell us what you think. Not only it's not only it's good to see what you think and to get some feedback. It also really helps with the algorithm. It helps us be found by other people, by new listeners. You know, um, you know, the more ratings we have, the better. And and, and I'm curious. I'm genuinely uh, curious. Oh, yeah. um, we got some things in the works for you that might be coming out relatively soon, uh, depending on what me and Colton can do with our schedule. Um, so stay tuned. Just stay tuned for yeah. some new things and some exciting new things, not just any new things. Yeah, it's yeah. so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing some different but, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you, you could say that. You could but say you got you just gotta you gotta stick around to find out. Yeah, stick <laughs> around. Or don't. But do. Do we would prefer if you do. We, but, we you love know. we love it when 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 we see uh reten- user retention. That's great. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's always good. Yeah. Um but yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, stay tuned for some. We still need it. We still need a outro. We'll, thing. We just, just play have, the outro. We'll just, just have just, the AI do it. Yeah. yeah here, since okay. you're saying yeah, it. Yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> I guess Chat GPT is going to be a reoccurring um, character guest on this uh, uh, show. Uh, <laughs> Let's see, right and outro for the odd drunk podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Odd Drunk Podcast. We hope you enjoyed <laughs> our ramblings and musings and that you had a few laughs along the way. Remember, drink responsibly and stay weird. <laughs> stay weird. See you next time. I like that. Stay weird. This is not a test. I repeat this is not a test. The Odd Drunk Podcast recommends you follow their Instagram and join their Facebook group for more fun content. To visit all of our current streaming and social media platforms, visit the link tree in the description. If you enjoy the show, we would be appreciated if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Odd Drunk Podcast would like to remind you to drink responsibly and not to drink and drive. Okay Colton you can roll the outro now.